Hello, everyone, and welcome to Job Board Geek. It's the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. I'm Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm the Job Board Doctor. I'm your host, and I'm here with the irrepressible Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. He's the co-host. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit sad. Oh, yeah? How come? Well, you have a daughter that moved away, went, went away to college, you know, living on her own, solo. I have three kids. Same sort of thing has happened. Last week, you went off on your own and you did a solo show, but now here we are again. And I, and I kind of feel like that empty nester parent whose kid has come back to, to live with them. And they, <laughs> as much as they love that kid, and Jeff, I, I do love you. Um, I'm just not sure if I want you back at home. Well, you know what? I'm not going to make my bed, so maybe that'll make you feel better. <laughs> I'll throw some food on the floor. Uh, anyway, so today, folks, uh, we have Joe Meyer from Exec Thread. But first of all, I wanted to chat a little bit about something that I saw. AppCast put out a press release last week, and it was about this new information hub that they have. And it's all focused on recruiting data, insights, things that business leaders and recruiting uh, leaders would want to know about the market. Uh, it's something that other job boards have done as well. But um, it's, you know, I think that's fine. Good for AppCast. But really what it made me think about is the role of uh, press releases with job boards. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a powerful tool and it's a tool that typically is not used as, as much and as effectively as it could be. And I, I think sort of the classic example of a company that really took advantage of press releases is CareerBuilder. Yeah. There was a period in the late, two th late 2000s where I literally felt like they were sending out a press release every other day because they did a massive amount of research into their database and they would, they would publish serious stuff like, you know, this is what the economic trends are like in Milwaukee versus uh, Chicago. And then they would, they would publish stuff like 99% of the people on the West Coast want to take their dog to work and 99% of the people on the East Coast <laughs> don't, you know, dumb stuff. The thing that was that was effective and that I sort of pushed with my clients is that the thing CareerBuilder did is they got picked up in all sorts of places that they not, couldn't necessarily mm -hmm. get to otherwise. They certainly had money. They could advertise wherever they wanted. But press releases get pulled into blogs. They get pulled in as mentions on social media. They get put into in the middle of newspaper articles. And you just get exposed to a different kind of audience. So I don't know. It seems like you guys do quite a bit of uh, press work, don't you, Stephen? Yeah, we don't do it like CareerBuilder did. At it, um, And I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. It's aspirational, what, what yeah. they were doing. It takes a lot of um, thought and steadfastness, um, staff, which means money. But I agree with you. Boy, they used to, I think the papers would call it like the career builder index on this and the career right. builder index on that. And they became synonymous with labor trends and became a real trustworthy brand. We tried doing that years ago. It actually worked really well, but we just didn't have the staff to kind of ramp up for that maybe once a month, once a quarter, ramp down. It's probably something that we should look at doing again. We're, we're bigger than we were then. We used to give a, basically we had awards that we would give out to different schools where we had some data analysis done to see which schools were adding the most value in which majors. Mm -hmm. So not just the school where, you know, chemical engineers had the highest salaries, because if the students coming into that school were at the top of their high school classes, 
top SATs, then it only stands to reason that they're going to graduate with the jobs that pay the most. So we were looking at schools that took people in, say, with middling grades and SATs, but when they graduated, they would have top salaries. Mm -hmm. That, I think, added a lot of value. And at the end of the day, that's what CareerBuilder did so well, is they added a lot of value to the ecosystem. It wasn't about them. It was about the ecosystem. Now, when I see CareerBuilder PR releases, it's about, hey, we added Pokemon for jobs to our site, so you should come use us. Who cares? Yeah, that's the worst kind of press releases. Oh, you know, we've just reached this new milestone, and we we hired so-and-so as the head of our sales department. Indeed is an example of a a current job board that's been very aggressive about their press releases. They actually have an economist on board at this point. Mm. And and that person's entire job, as far as I can tell, is to produce content and get get on CNN and and places like that. And so, you know, good for them. They they make a lot of money. They can afford it. But anyway, I think for anyone that's out there that's working a, you know, what I call a mid-tier job board or higher, which would be say five to $25 million. If you're working a job board like that and you don't have a PR program, you should really take a hard look at it and think about doing it because I think it will probably help you differentiate and grow in ways that you wouldn't imagine otherwise. So I, I want to welcome to Job Board Geek Podcast, Joe Meyer of ExecThread. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Doing well today, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Joe, I asked you to be on here because I think you have a really, really interesting site. And there's a number of things about the way you do your business that are quite different from traditional job boards. But first, before we get into the specifics of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the recruiting business and what spurs you to create ExecuThread? So I founded uh, ExecThread going on six years ago. Uh, I was at Apple uh, at the time by way, by way of an acquisition. They acquired my last company that I was the CEO of. And uh, as you can imagine, I was getting approached by a good number of executive recruiters at the time. Two things frustrated me about that. You know, most executives kind of view it favorably that they're getting approached by executive recruiters. You know, they kind of view it as a... Uh, a validation of their career success. You know, I'm uh, more of a contrarian and I see more, uh, I try to find uh, issues uh, and with those issues, uh, opportunities as a true entrepreneur and uh, been a founder, co-founder entrepreneur my whole life. So two things. One is I, uh, I was getting approached for jobs that were great jobs, but weren't the right fit for me. So uh, mm-hmm. they didn't know who I was, what I was looking for. Uh, and none of them wanted to get on a call with me to to uh, to figure that out because uh, they, they don't work for the candidate; they work for the client, and they don't have enough time in the day to get on a call with candidates, regardless of how qualified that candidate might be. It's uh, we'll find you, you don't find us, sort of uh, <laughs> mindset. So I found it frustrating that I uh, I wasn't getting approached for the jobs that I would potentially be interested in, and then that led to my second frustration, and hence the second issue, which is no ability to tap into that hidden job market and. What and I mean by the hidden job market is, uh, you know, you mentioned job boards. That is not the hidden job market. That is the antithesis of the hidden job market. Mm-hmm. Um, those are publicly available, publicly accessible, publicly promoted jobs. But at the executive level, VP, EVP, SVP, uh, C-suite, board roles, head of roles, the vast majority of those roles uh, are not publicly posted or not posted on job boards, especially if they are being worked on by retained executive search firms. And my frustration there was that I knew there were th- 
jobs out there for which I was qualified and in which I could very well be interested being worked on by executive search firms. But I had zero ability to figure out where they were, who was working on them, uh, what companies Mm. were hiring for them, because they're all quote unquote confidential searches. And I just thought, you know, having built my career in in digital and mobile and, and, you know, the whole internet era where Walt Garden Industries, you know, come down, the Walt Gardens come down, I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that these jobs are hidden from candidates. You know, they should be made more transparent. Candidates, especially if they're qualified, should have more access to them. And recruiters that don't know a damn thing about me shouldn't decide uh, unilaterally whether I see a job opportunity or not. So decided to solve that problem. I thought to myself, you know, you know, if a guy like me who doesn't need a job and is getting approached for jobs is finding this frustrating and is uh, irritated by this uh, this problem, I bet there's a lot of other executives out there who are far more uh, irritated by it. And mm-hmm. that pent-up frustration likely signals pent-up demand and pent-up demand likely signals business opportunity. So my question as follow-up is, okay, so you're talking about these jobs that you can't find on mm-hmm. job boards that aren't publicly available. So how did you um, solve that problem of getting those jobs? So I had a theory, and that theory proved true through some uh, some beta testing early on, mm-hmm. which is uh, I thought to myself, peers of mine are likely getting professional peers of mine, I should say, are likely getting approached by executive recruiters just like I am. If they're anything like me, they're probably turning down, you know, nine out of 10 or 99 out of 100 opportunities that they're getting approached for, uh, would they be willing to share uh, knowledge of those opportunities with a curated, vetted community of, of peers in return for the value proposition of getting access and knowledge of the opportunities that other members of the community are getting approached for? So it's sort of a pay it forward mentality, a crowdsourced mentality where you know what, I'll tell you about the job searches I've been approached for. Uh, if you, in turn, let me know about the opportunities you're being approached for. And if you think about it, you know, if you have, you know, a really small peer group of, I don't know, let's just say two or three peers, you share opportunities with them, right? Because it's a small, trusted group of people. Uh, I decided to kind of take that example and and ignite it and uh, create a platform around it. And within the first month of incubating it in a non-productized way, we had over 100 jobs uh, shared, um, all of which were confidential retained searches being worked on by top search firms. And those jobs started getting shared and uh, initial members of the community started getting interviews for those jobs that they weren't initially approached for, but found out about through the information sharing network that is ExecThread. And that's when I thought to myself, you know what? Probably an opportunity here. A couple of things that really jumped out to me when I was kind of um, going through your website was one is unlike a lot of niche sites, um, clearly you're international. I see jobs there from mm-hmm. Australia and the UK and the US and Jakarta, all, all over the world. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, places that I want to go, places that I don't want to go. Yeah, and that's, exactly. that's okay too, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I want to understand that because there's a huge difference between looking for somebody in, like you say, Jakarta, Mm -hmm. you know, versus in Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is talk with us, if you could, about the the revenue model. It looks to me like the candidates um, pay um, a fee for that and run ethically sites or services that, that charge the candidate, Mm -hmm. um, 
can be really great, but I think you must have had to overcome some of the bad karma associated with some of the other executive sites where they charge the candidates for postings that they said were exclusive, but were anything but. So a couple of things, you you touched on a couple of things there. First off, I'll start with, uh, there are likely more similarities between Queens, New York and Jakarta than there are differences. Um, so I'll start with that. Um, <laughs> two is, uh, but I've never been to Jakarta. I've been in Queens though. Um, two is, um, and again, you, you touched on a couple of things there. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with the revenue model. The original revenue model that we had conceived, and I'll preface this by saying that we're a tech startup, we're a platform, we're a software company, we're SaaS, we're not an executive search firm, never want to be, never profess to be, never desire to be. Um, there's plenty of executive search firms out there. I don't think the world needs another executive search firm. That said, uh, we did think that the community that we were building, which is now up to almost 250,000 members, growing growing by over 1,000 a day, we did think that that curated, vetted, high-caliber professional community of executives about whom we know a lot of information, they're, they're all registered users of ours. They are all signing in, uh, self-declaring who they are clicking around, telling us a lot about themselves by virtue of where they're navigating on our site, what jobs they're you know, uh, reading about, uh, redeeming information for, uh, applying to, uh, in what areas of the country, what functions, what levels, what size and stage of companies. You know, we have proprietary profiles on every single one of our members, which is valuable information in terms of if you want to leverage that for good to help put the right job in front of them, right? So we did think there was an opportunity to be a alternative to executive search firms and to monetize in that way, i.e., hey, if you don't want to pay Corn Ferry $150,000 and work with them six months to, to do a search, you know, why don't you pay us a, a fraction of that and we will find you high quality, high caliber, highly targeted candidates who are members of the ExecThread network much quicker and more efficiently than that. We did try that right. early on and it, it didn't go as planned as oftentimes when you start a company, you know, your original thesis around monetization doesn't work as well as you think. And the, and the two main reasons were one, not necessarily in order of priority. Our network wasn't large enough at the time. It was around 25,000, not 250,000. Hmm. Two is, but, but that really wasn't the, the reason we would fail today if, if we went out with a network of 250,000. And it's because there are certain things you can't change in this world. And when you're looking to fill an important role VP through C-suite, and you've decided to hire an executive search firm, you want the handholding that that executive search firm Mm. provides. You want that heavy, high-touch professional services model, and you want to outsource it, and you want to pay someone to solve that problem, and you can't get it wrong. So there's a reason people hire Goldman Sachs. There's a reason people hire uh, Mm Corn Ferry, you know, and I couldn't fight that. I I tried fighting that and trying to convince them that a, uh, a more automated, a more efficient, a more data-driven, a more intelligent uh, sourcing and talent acquisition strategy was, uh, and a more cost-effective one. But, uh, you know, it, it was like banging my head against the wall. So like mm-hmm. any good founder, you know, when you're starting to go sideways and, you know, you don't know if you're going to make payroll three months from now, you, you start looking at other alternatives. And for us, we had a point system early on and still to this day to incentivize our members to give. They get awarded points, exec thread points. When they refer new members to us, they get exec thread points awarded to them when they send jobs to us. And with those points, they used to be able to redeem them to find out the hidden information about the jobs other members were contributing. Name of the hiring company name of the hiring manager, name of the recruiting firm, name of the recruiters. And more and more and more executive members kept on emailing us saying,
saying, hey, I love what you're doing. I love the access you're providing us. I, I don't have the time to earn these points. Just let me pay for them. Just let me pay for the access. Mm. And, and, and believe me, early on, I knew, I knew the stigma against uh, B2C monetization models in, in, in the HR space, even though I'm not from the, the, the recruiting space originally. I never wanted to charge the, the member, the end candidate. But our members kept on asking <laughs> us to charge them. Because they want fast, efficient access. Time is money, right? So, you know, I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Let's charge for the points and, and experiment here. And a lot of members started buying the points. And then I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. We're proving out that demand, that they're willing to open up their wallet to pay for this access. And we're providing a quality service. So, and we're, you know, it's value added. So I have no problem charging for it. But it wasn't recurring sustainable revenue. It was highly transactional. Plus, when they were buying points, 25, 30, 50 points at a time, and needed to make judgment calls of whether they should spend five points to redeem this job or five points to redeem that job, they weren't spending the points quick enough. Uh, so it wasn't, mm. uh, you know, they were putting too much thought into, oh, I wonder if this job's worth five points or 10 points. Mm. So then, uh, and then we started getting requests for, hey, I, I don't want just points. I want full access. I want access to everything. So that's when we turned it into a, uh, a freemium subscription model. So there's a, a lot that you can get from our site and our platform for free. But if you want full access, full transparency into all the jobs, all the hiring company names, all the recruiter names, all the recruiter profiles, all the recruiter contact information, hiring manager information, hiring manager contact information, you pay a, a, a nominal monthly fee for that, 30 bucks a month, which that's a couple of Starbucks. It's two Starbucks, I think. And if that's not worth getting access to jobs that are hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation, then you know that, that's your prerogative. You can make that choice. You don't have to pay. We're not forcing anyone. So, Joe, I, I just have to jump in here, and, and Stephen will laugh when I when when I say this, but I don't think you're charging enough. I, mm. I think you, I think you should raise your prices. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're going to raise our prices here shortly. Uh, we're not going to uh, jack up jack them up too much. We're, we're going to create a premium subscription plan yeah. and, a, and a basic subscription plan that's on the product roadmap right now for the next few months. And that premium plan will be uh, much more, but it'll have a, a suite of benefits that basic subscription plan doesn't. I'm one of those executives that views the platforms that charge can, uh, candidates negatively. Um, I'm a candidate myself. I'm a professional myself. I'm not a recruiter. And uh, I said to myself, what would I, as a candidate, as an executive, and I consider myself a, a pretty good one, what would I pay for? I'd pay for access. I'd pay for you know knowledge of where those hidden confidential jobs are. And as long as those jobs are real jobs that you know being worked on by real retained search firms and they're active searches, and I can't get access to them otherwise... That's worth something. And I have no problem charging for that because it's providing true rep value. It's truly differentiated. And the other thing I've done since day one of starting this company is I put myself, my name, my image front and center with the community. I write a newsletter to them three times a week. I oftentimes publish the, that content on LinkedIn. It's all written in first person in my name. It comes from my email address. Any executive member can email me directly. Any executive member can see my profile and my credibility. I've sold my last two companies to Apple and AOL. You know, I'm not hiding behind anything. You know, I'm, I'm out there front and center uh, providing a, a really high caliber service. And if, if hiring companies don't want an alternative to search firms and candidates want to pay for my service, then great. You know, <laughs> that's where the revenue model is. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to overthink it. Well, Joe, I, I have one last question before we wrap up. Um, and this is really just, you know, my own curiosity. But I assume that when you started this, you were primarily a North American focus. Mm -hmm. But you said, obviously, it's, it, focus, it became yeah. Internet and you this all over. So where are you seeing the fastest growth outside of North America at this point? 
So uh, we incubated the service with job opportunities in Chicago, London, and LA, three markets where I had never lived or worked. And I wanted to see if we could acquire a small critical mass of early adopters in those markets where I didn't have strong networks. I lived and worked in New York and San Francisco and DC. And so that that's where the initial traction started because we're a marketplace business. Uh, in our case, demand follows supply. So when we bring jobs within a market or within a city to the platform, you know, inevitably <laughs> uh, demand, demand follows. So uh, we're seeing definitely the greatest growth in international, mainly because we were so North American focused early on. The big jobs are or I should say were in the big cities pre-COVID, you know, uh, 90% of our jobs were in the big major metropolitan markets. We're starting to see more and more jobs in the, you know, for lack of better terminology, the tier two, tier three, second tier markets, smaller markets, you know, strong growth in Europe, strong growth in uh, in Asia, continued growth in North America. Not many people know this, but, uh, you know, when they think of executive search, and again, we're not an executive search firm, never, never professed to be, we give you access to, to their searches. Um, they think of, you you know, Corn Ferry or Russell Reynolds or Hydric and Struggles, you know, right, the big names. But I saw a stat early on when I was starting this company that said that there's over 150,000 executive search firms in the world. And I said, hmm, is that possible? And I thought it probably is possible because there's no barriers to entry to start, right? An executive search firm, I could put up a shingle tomorrow and call myself Joe Meyer executive search firm, right? Mm -hmm. There's no barriers at all. We're sourcing currently from over 30,000 executive search firms and we're only five mm -hmm. years old. Uh, and we're and we're only started to go international. So there definitely are over 150,000 search firms out there, uh, if not many more than that. And the reality is, is that they are all working on pretty interesting searches because they're started by professionals who used to be in that function, in that field, in that industry, and, and they know and have relationships. They know people and have relationships in those sectors, and that's what gets them their business. Um, so you don't have to be, you know, you know, looking at a search run by Hydrogen Struggles for it to be a great job. It could be run by a boutique search firm and still be an equally great job. And we're sourcing from you know, the long tail of executive search firms as well as big ones. That's, you bring up a good point, actually. It's kind of funny. I've been asked before by clients if I could find them yeah. someone to run their job board, you know, which cracks me up because you talk about a niche of a niche of a niche yeah. would be to be a, an executive recruiter that focuses on job board people. So yeah, you, so you could be, you could be an executive search firm. It's not going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Joe, listen, it's been great to have you on the show. It's uh, been wonderful to learn about exec thread. And if someone does want to get in touch with you and talk more about the company or get on your board, uh, how do they do that? Just simply send me an email, joe at execthread.com uh, or go to execthread.com and click join. It's free to join. You get a, a ton of benefits for free charge for joining and, and getting uh, an initial tier of, of, of good benefits. And then you can decide for yourself if it's worth, you know, a whopping $30 a month. Yeah. Well, 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 thanks. And, and perhaps you'll see an influx of people that say they run job boards for a living. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, Stephen, uh, if, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can just uh, email me. It's kind of a similar syntax as what Joe has. That's Stephen at college recruiter.com. And, and if I may, 
lesson learned um, from what Joe was sharing is, uh, in the words of John Mellencamp, I I fight authority, but authority always wins. So, so. (laughs) John John Cougar Mellencamp, by the way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Never forget the Cougar part of it. That's right. Well, listen, that's it for today's episode of Job Board Geek. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple, Spotify, or whatever floats your boat. This is Jeff Dickey Chasens. I am the Job Board Doctor, and you've been listening to the only podcast that focuses on the business of connecting candidates and employers. That's all for this week. See you next time around. Thanks. Thanks.